Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now... So great. I'm so excited that you, everybody here is listening in for the Compassionate Capitalist podcast. And of course, this is also a video. And um, it, for those of you that have been listening to prior shows, you know, I've had a, a, a good bit of a conversation with various industry leaders about the trends that we see might be coming out of this pandemic and all of the uh, shifts that we see in industry and if you've read my book, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing, I have a whole section in there for investors to anticipate when there's a shift in an industry or a change in a marketplace and what opportunities come from that, whether it's a regulatory change that causes a shift, as you might read in my book, because uh, that's you know a, a big shift in fintech and things like that happen as a result of regulatory changes. You know, and then there's uh, societal changes, there's um, uh, knowledge, you know, science that happens, there's just things that shift as new developments and innovation that causes shifts in industries. And even though that, that leaves behind a certain industry or certain workers or certain, you know, job opportunities and career opportunities and, and businesses get impacted by that, it also opens up a tremendous amount of additional opportunities. And so when my guest came, my guest today came to me to talk about their business. Uh, I was, I, I was really just, I mean, I guess the best word I could say was just difficult because I, uh, this is something that is just near and dear to my heart. And now that I, I just want to tell folks as they're getting started listening to this, if you have a passion for the environment, if you are a, a passion for environmental protection, for rehabilitation of our environment that has been destroyed by just time and industries and just, you know, lack of regulations in some cases, all kinds of things. If you have a passion for social environment and the impact for economic development, uh, for sustainable community development, for job creation, and even bees, you have got to listen to the rest of this show because my guests, Kirk Taylor and Mark Jensen, um, come to this with this new company, this new organization. Well, it's not brand new, but they've been doing it a while. They got a track record. It's really quite amazing what they're, what they're accomplishing is the Land Betterment Corp. Okay. Their motto on their website is Earth and Community First. It's an impact. They're, they're offering impact investment opportunities for really a better future. And it's just really, it's, it's so much that they're doing that we're going to get in to talk about that, but I want to let the, give them an opportunity to say hello and then I'll introduce them a little bit more. Hello, Kirk. Hello, Mark. How are you today? Thank you for being here. Great, Karen. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Karen. Thanks, thanks so much for having us on. Okay, good. So uh, Kirk Taylor is uh, CPA by training entrepreneur, uh, I guess almost a serial entrepreneur. He's been very focused on um, controls and, the, and processes and bringing companies public. Okay, then he's the president and CEO, CFO of the Land Betterment Corp. And then we have Mark Jensen, who is very experienced in acquisition and restructuring. He's done over 200 acquisitions 
and uh, 17 years of raising capital for companies and has raised over 500 million in the companies that he's worked for, for before. And he's the executive chair of the Land Betterment Corp. And, um, and so part of what they're also involved in, which I think really opened their eyes up, and this is a call out to the investors that are listening, you're involved in companies now that give you insight into opportunities that are out there. And then I'm going to have a call to action at the end of this, but you're involved to involved in that and you can see opportunities. So when I was looking into their backgrounds and stuff, as we were talking about being on the podcast, they are part of an organization called or a company called a, a public company called America resource Corp. It's a mining and materials company. And Really interesting to hear because it seems like they're they're on both sides of this, right? With the the uh, fossil fuel harvesting and development, and then all of the going out there and and creating an opportunity out, out of you know where that has happened in the past. So, with that, I want to say, okay, Kirk, Mark, whoever y'all tag team on this and figure it out. But tell me, tell us how you got into you know, fossil fuel and American Resource Corp, and then how that created the opportunities and the business that you've now done with the Land Betterment Corp, and then we'll dive into the rest of it. Absolutely. Um, Kirk, I'll take the first crack at it, but uh, yeah, we're, we're proud of all of our businesses and, and really fell in love with the region. I was born and raised in Indiana, moved out to New York for a number of years where I did restructuring and turnaround businesses and helping smaller businesses got involved in the mining sector with the idea of infrastructure. We believe that infrastructure makes the world a better place, a more efficient place. And, and I think infrastructure is sometimes an overlooked concept in that it's, it helps on the environmental side as well as the efficiencies of getting people a better quality of life, getting them there faster, safer, and more efficiently. And so we, we got involved and we, we started American Resources to mine metallurgical carbon for infrastructure development. And through that process, we've had phenomenal success of, of building a great asset base of, of businesses and have employed a lot of very, some of the most amazing people and hardest working people we've ever seen. What we saw though, is we're, we lived in this region and Eastern Kentucky, these rural distressed areas. And what over the last five years, you've seen a dramatic change in the industry in that you have the natural gas and, and the development of alternative energies and alternative energy sources, which we are huge supporters of basically have come in on the other side of the community that we don't operate in is thermal. And the idea of energy generation from thermal pool is a declining industry going to continue to decline and really can't compete in today's market. And what we saw was our neighbors of the, and the community was getting decimated. And there was all these old thermal pool mines sitting idle. There was all these people getting laid off and there was no solution. And there was no, all the big companies in our space and, and all the, the big legacy players in the industry never did anything about it. And so, and, and Grant, we, yeah, as normal people, we complained about it for about a year. We saw tires in the river and it just, we'd drive by and, and get frustrated by it and be like, oh, there's tires in the rivers again, one of the most beautiful places in the world and we're looking at tires. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we eventually just said, listen, this is what we do. Like we, we were a solutions-based company. Let's build real solutions to it. So we started doing a bunch of environmental remediation, buying up companies and re remediating the, the environmental impact of it and then what we knew we had to do though was we had to stop the drug problems there we had to stop the unemployment problems and we needed to utilize the impact of lands to create sustainable development so we really was the formation of land betterment was the collective ideas of us and our team saying 
if nobody's going to do anything about it, we're going to. And there's a real opportunity here to create real op opportunities for the people and also the environment. There's, there's, there is a win-win situation here, and we're going we're gonna to bring it to the market, and we're going to let people know what we're doing. And it's been amazing. I mean, it's been the last couple of years of the formation of this, and, and really over the last couple of months has just been phenomenal just seeing the acceptance of, of what we're doing in the community. And I mean, just so thankful that you are giving us the opportunity to talk about it here. Absolutely. In, okay. So um, do you want to also add something about your background, no, yeah. how you got into this? Yeah, absolutely. So Mark and I have a couple things in common. We both grew up in small Indiana towns. We met at Indiana University. Um, <clears throat> we both come from uh, entrepreneurial families. My dad owns his own business. Mark's dad owned his own business as well. So from early age, we knew what it takes to own your own business, drive it, and get to your destination. Like you said, I got my CPA training. I worked at a big public accounting firm. I got to see how hundreds of businesses were run. Mark got to see the same thing on Wall Street. And so we can really take best practices mm -hmm. and use them here in very small communities but underneath an umbrella that can scale nationally. Um, there's not one solution for each community, but there is a solution for each one. And so we need to drive economic opportunity along with the environmental uh, sustainability efforts to put them together and bring these impacted regions forward with everybody else. Okay, great. So. All right, so the, the Land Betterment Corp, it is a Indiana Benefit Corporation. And it is, as you've heard, uh, is upcycling former coal mines to create sustainable community development and job creation. And a way they're going about doing that, and I really want to encourage people that are listening to this or watching this to go to landbetterment.com, just like it sounds, L-A-N-D-B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T.com. And check out what they've got going on over there. It is, is so exciting. Um, up under their environmental solutions, they have their the coal mine and industrial reme remediation, coal waste processing, water technologies, water treatment solutions, security solutions, material recycling. Okay, that's up under their environmental solution. But then under the sustainable development, and that's where we're going to spend most of our the rest of our time together talking about um, the different different projects, but one in particular. So they have a, a, a betterment recycling of mulch. They have a development of, of uh, ecological housing community called ECHO. Uh, they have, um, they offer some incubating and accelerating of small businesses in the area. One of that came out of that is betterment spirits, coal craft spirits. They have um, betterment metal recovery which is the recycling part of it, and harvest, which is a sustainable farming, and pollinate. And pollinate's what we're gonna uh, spend most of our time talking about today because that's a, a topic that's very near and dear to my heart. But what would you guys like to, to tell our audience about these different uh, projects, either under environmental solutions or your sustainable development, just to give people a high level of um, everything else that you do, and we may get into topics on that, after we talk about pollinate. Uh, so what would you like to add to, to help folks understand 
those opportunities or those areas of your business better? Yeah, maybe I can go a summary and then Mark, you can jump in and pollinate. But each of our business verticals is really driven off of a need for a solution in this region that we've encountered. Um, housing is a terrible problem in Appalachia. Investments do not flow into good, suitable housing. And so just like the, the tires in the river, we said there has to be a better way than people, our employees living in a 30-year-old burned-out trailer. And so we partnered with a small business out of Missouri to bring uh, shipping containers into Appalachia, upcycle them, sterilize mm -hmm. them, and super high-end. They got granite countertops, stainless steel appliances, um, innovative housing that's, that regions never seen before. People are so ecstatic to live in one of our eco villages. There's about 25 to 30 units. There's going to be a common area. Um, like a fire pit a gathering area for each of our uh, villages, such as one of the verticals. Um, you mentioned rubber recycling. Again, we see tires in the rivers. We see them on abandoned mines. There has to be a simple solution for this that makes economical sense. We cannot find any recycling centers to take these tires to. We don't want to dump them in a landfill and clog up the landfills. And so we decided to build our own recycling centers on former coal mine property using former coal miners who these businesses fit their skill sets tremendously. They've worked with heavy machinery. They worked with equipment, electrical equipment, and they're ecstatic to use those skills for a new purpose. Um, but these businesses have to make economic sense. And so Betterment Mulch will be selling to the governments of the state of West Virginia, state of Kentucky, on the mulch side, and then from a rubber crumb side, which is a finer particulate, can go into road rebuilding. So when we do start building new roads, repaving new roads, we'll have um, a great purchaser of the of the crumb there as well. Because these businesses, they have to make business sense as well. Um, but what you mentioned, pollinate, and that, and Mark can get into it, but it's solving both an environmental issue down there um, and it's going to be a great business that we're really excited about. Yeah. So um, before we go there, let me um, ask, uh, make a comment that here's the thing that I want folks to, because I've done a lot of shows on Opportunity Zone funds. I've, do, I've done shows, you know, many over the years on the new market tax credits. Um, you know, the government can do so much when it, it, when it establishes a credit that gives you for going and doing things or trying to get the behavior of corporations to do stuff or people to develop certain areas. But it takes um, entrepreneurs with the muster that says, this isn't gonna be easy. Uh, and it takes city, local governments to say, embrace it. Yes, we don't know how to fix this problem. We've got this inner city blight or we've got this rural um, area that doesn't have any, like the Appalachian Mountains, you know, we've got we have you know, these problems with folks not having economic opportunity that creates, you mentioned the drug, drug use and, and our opioid, opioid crisis. It also creates crime in those areas when there's not jobs for that. We're gonna see who knows what's gonna come out of the current situation we're in with COVID you know, and what's gonna happen with economies and how they shift. Um, I've seen it with, with the development of opportunity, the opportunity zone, stuff you know you think about you know areas that have been decimated by natural disaster and so there's no place for people to work or no place for people to live and then 
you know, development is put into other areas that they'll move to those other areas. And you can have a whole shift of a, of a, of an, of an economy shift from one place to another place as a result of that. And so, um, how I want to talk a little bit about your setting up the land betterment corp first, because those are all things. And I want, because of my call to action, that's going to be at the end. How did you, you had, you were running this American resources. You saw there was this problem. You were local to the community. You looking around, you're like, gosh, some, something's got to be done with this. Did you meet with your local civic leaders and your government to, to get backing? Did you, just take your resources out of American Resource Corp to get this started? Because you guys have been doing this for a little bit and getting these things off the ground almost organically. So talk a, a little bit about the process for the entrepreneurs that are out there that say, you know, I, ha I see a problem in my area. I would like to put my energies into it. How, how do they get started? And then also, when is it that investors jump in to try to really help it to scale and grow? Yeah, that's... And, and that's why we're excited to be on here too, because there's so much room for more people to jump in and do it. And it, I don't want to say it takes courage from us. I mean, but it does, it takes courage from our team and it, to take a leap of faith that you can make change and actually do something positive. And you don't need millions of dollars to do it day one. I mean, to get out there and, and really make a difference in a community. And, but it, it takes people that are willing to also fight against the people that don't want change and the people that are willing to resist change. Right. And, and that's probably been, for us, one of the harder things for us. I mean, we, we didn't, we weren't, American Resources, a public company has its own assets. We weren't able to utilize any of the assets from there. Okay. So what we did is over the years, we, we accumulated personal assets and, and put personal resources into it to build land betterment because we saw a problem. I mean, one of the, probably the, the thing that really hit me the hardest was we had an employee that used to work with us. And, probably one of our most talented guys 13 years ago and over 12 years ago uh, we went separate ways and a couple of years back ran into him huge drug problem got laid off got depressed and in a couple of years and now i guess a year and a half ago he's passed away mm. from that drug addiction and he wasn't a drug addict he was he became addicted to drugs because he lost hope and he didn't see the opportunity for the future to get another job to sustain his family and continue to provide for him. And that, that hurt him. And so from our perspective, we knew that living in this community and spending so much time there and seeing this amazing talent base. I mean, the women, men and women there love to work. They will work seven days a week if you let them. And so why are we thought we were wasting such an amazing resource of our country by not investing back into them. And right. so what we had though, is we had access to a lot of property. And, and through these bankruptcies and, and all these other companies, there's just more property, a continual amount of property that's just being wasted that, and not only wasted for the benefit of, of future population and future, future occupation, but for the environment. And so we came up with this concept of, of starting to remediate that and take on these liabilities to turn them into positives. And really, it's, it's, it's just mobilizing what the people have. I mean, sometimes it's the, what I will say from an entrepreneurial perspective, and I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my entire life and love it. I love the stressful days, too, because they're not all easy by any stretch of the imagination. And there's a lot of roadblocks and a lot of shade that people throw on. Yeah. And, but the one thing that, that I love about what we've figured out in our business model is simple. Just keep it simple. 
businesses don't always have to be overly complicated and your solution doesn't have to be overly complicated. No different than like what we were mentioning about tires. We drove around and we saw tires in the river. We know that tires are used for other things, but nobody's doing it in this area. And there's an immense amount of tires in Eastern Appalachia. You go through tires so rapidly there because the roadways are all windy and turny. So every, you're, you're going through over the road tires twice as fast as any other community. And you have to pay money to dispose of tires. So people are just throwing them in the woods. And, and we're living in the, one of the most beautiful areas in the world. And so we, we literally just started talking to people we're like, yeah, you got to permit it. You got to buy the equipment. So we, we part, one thing about our business lines, and this is one thing I'd like to throw out is we partner with some of the most intelligent, smartest industry experts in the world. And SSI who's partnering with us on our re recycling facility of rubber mulch is world renowned in the space. And so we're not going out there and saying, oh, we're going to just recreate a wheel. No, we're partnering with experts to bring real simple solutions to the community. And I'll say from an entrepreneurial perspective, sometimes you just gotta take a leap of faith. Just jump right. in and start doing it. And that's that's where it takes, it does take some courage to do that. I mean, and you don't have to quit your job all the time. You can you can start it and build it up over time. I mean, but but try, just put effort forth. And don't let anybody tell you no, that's, I hate that. <laughs> that's a true, that's a true entrepreneur there. Hey, no, persevere, you have that dream. All of what you talked about, you know, really comes back to what I, my whole compassionate capitalism, right? You know, my platform of, of growing that because it's not just compassionate capitalism, similar to conscious capitalism, which is different and similar to impact investing, which is a little bit different, which is actually how you guys found me because of my show, I guess, getting listed on, you know, some top impact investing podcasts, which was really tickled to find out, uh, is that, uh, you know, it's not just about the making of money. Um, it's about the the additional impact that you that you have on it and and having a, a heart to figuring out how you can bring together multiple problems that's and solve multiple problems and then and make money doing that right so let's shift into pollinate okay pollinate is about the bees bees are one of those things that I just I I I love bees if I didn't, if I didn't have a, a fear of being stung by bees, I actually might have some kind of bee thing out in my backyard. But um, I, I try to, I try to not use insecticides because you know our bee population, as you know, and what's been in the news lately because of this big, big, you know, Godzilla of a hornet that is uh, can kill a whole bunch of bees all at once. It's like there's, um, it's like here. Oh dear. Okay. Um, I got, we got 10 more minutes, so we're going to wrap up real quick. Um, the, uh, it's a whole bunch of, um, bees getting killed by, by the, um, uh, pesticides, by our, just our pollution, by just, uh, you know, some things they don't even know, but they're necessary for our food system and our food chains to be able to, uh, continue to, you know, to, to get more bees out there. And so, Talk about how you were able, how you used your reclamation of the land to create this opportunity and you, you know, the full, the full supply chain of what, what happens when it comes to bees. Talk about that real quick as we, as we lean towards the end of this show. Yeah, um, I'll touch base real quick and I'll let Kirk finish, but we had found access to lands that could be used for nothing else. Old coal impoundments that are actually awesome areas because they have this huge sloping area that could be um, used as fertile ground and then you have this base at the top but because they had old coal refuse on it you can't put anything that would burn or anything that could be um, 
combustible on top of it. So there's very little industry you can do on top of there. You couldn't really develop on top of it. But what it's also about, it's also in this protected region. So the idea that you would have all this ability to grow fertile products and agriculture on, on this sloping land and have this protected area for bees, I mean, there's just no doubt that we have a major problem coming forth really quickly. And I think it's happening faster than ever in that the bee population is just rapidly declining and there's not a lot of solutions for it. So being able to utilize our protected land and work with the experts in the region to do so is it just became a, a huge, it, I sort of as a hobby. I, let's be honest, it did. We did something we loved and we was like, this is really awesome. Let's do this. And then you, you start to continue building it. And you're like, okay, now we're building our bee processing facility. All of a sudden this hobby became a real deal and, the, and identifying all these different locations where we could do it at on our properties to really mass produce bee colonies, but do it in a safe way in a safe region so that they don't get decimated and that they can be protected while also, I mean, like you said, it, it, agriculture across the country, across the world is going to have major issues with this, with the current bee population. And I mean, they're exporting bees from one side of the country to the other now because of it. Well, that was what I was going to ask. I mean, everybody thinks about honey and you sell honey, but what are the other, I says, uh, I guess, products that come out of, of, you know, having a bee farm like that? They sell bees to other, to farms or to just to farmers or talk a little bit about the, I guess, the supply chain of bees? Yep. Do you want to go? Or you want me? Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> one of the immediate outcomes is why we started in the first place is that it helps regenerate uh, damaged grasslands, native grasses, native plants. So when we're doing reclamation on former thermal coal mines, having a solid bee population helps that land restore itself even faster, um, which helps everybody. But further on, we find that uh, the surrounding tree farms that are down there, um, apple orchards, uh, fir tree farms, as well as regular wheat, rye fields as you get into Western Kentucky can really benefit from enhanced bee populations even in Eastern Kentucky. And then if you grow your pollen, your um, uh, hives at a fast enough rate, you can transport them to different regions and there is a bee, secondary bee market, if you will. Um, but we're, what we're excited about is not only that environmental impact there, is that selling the ultimate uh, honey into other industrial purposes. So we can partner with some of the largest distilleries and food and, food and beverage companies to provide them with the organic honey that is being developed on former thermal coal mines, which they love that story, that full circle uh, life cycle of the product. Very good. So now, you're just kind of, that's fairly new, or how, how long have you been doing the pollinate piece of this? So it's been developed for a couple of years from a site selection, but commercialization is just happening now. Is it, does it take two years or so to get a, get a, a, a productive hive going for, you know, to, to be able to do some of the outcomes of what you're talking about? Just expanding the population. So we're, we're bringing in high, uh, we're actually bringing in all the infrastructure now to do it and then building out the, the the buildings and the processing centers that we're utilizing on it and then making sure that we have the appropriate land identified and protected um, is is probably where we spent a lot of our time just making sure that it was set up the right way first i mean you don't want to set it up and then have 
a bad outcome. So it's making right. sure that it's set up the right way, making set up, making sure we're working with the experts, choosing the correct bees. I mean, there's for regional locations, you want to make sure that the, yeah. the bee population that you choose is really important. Um, and it's, I think from our perspective, it was, it was really focusing on the protection side of things before we started building up the colonies. Okay, so good. So um, again, if everybody, I want you to go to landbetterment.com right, to get connected up with uh, Mark and Kirk. Um, and my call to action to the investors and the entrepreneurs out there uh, is that as, you, as we come out of this, as you look around your way, open up your eyes when you're go, going around your communities and either identify uh, folks within the communities that you can partner up with to improve it in a way that's not just a nonprofit that's doing this or that, but in a way that is sustainable because it is profitable and it has a mission to be profitable. And then, and, and it, and therefore it becomes much more sustainable, right? You can, you have a, a, a consciousness in it an impact in it that comes from, or the compassion side, as I talk about, that comes for your willing to focus into these particular areas that will improve your community. And um, if you're not quite sure how to go about doing that, then di uh, tip your toes, dip your toes into the water of land betterment, go help them grow, put your resources to work to help them grow with what they're doing now. And then they can come and do that, help you do it where you are. Mm -hmm. So that's my call to action to the entrepreneurs and the investors out there because there's lots of areas of opportunity all around the United States that it's unique for each area, but you can think outside the box and do what you guys are doing for the Kentucky and Appalachia area now. So uh, a couple of minutes we got, it looks like we got about four minutes before my clock's gonna tip off on this video call. So uh, what would you like to, to add in the, in the couple of minutes we have here left and say to the audience? Yeah. yeah, Karen, I, I think you said it really well. You know, coming out of COVID right now, there's really three types of companies. One type is a company, maybe like Amazon, who is just set up perfectly for this scenario. You have the second type of company, which is a majority of company and people out there, where they will sit in their house for eight weeks and wait for solutions to happen and wait for things to be done. And then there is us, playing Betterment, and hopefully, hundred other entrepreneurs out there who are thinking of new ideas to have a even better outcome for when we open back up uh, and when we get through what we're in right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'll add to that is saying that the, at, there's going to be hurdles in anything you do. There's hurdles in starting businesses. Don't let the hurdles bring you down. You got to be willing to jump over them. You got to be willing to shake and you got to be willing to move. And the, and Karen, what you said is exactly right. Reach out to us. I mean, we're, we are, we love the idea of solutions. Make our businesses better. Help us um, join our team um, or let us help you. We'll give you insight on what we can do. I mean, we're not experts in anything, but you know what? The biggest thing we've learned is collaborate. Reach out to people that are super talented in the space that are, that can give you insight introduce you to people. I mean, we're so thankful for you having us on here, Karen, because at the end of the day, it's helping us meet more people and sharing our story and our vision. And we hope that other people come out and do the exact same thing in our community that we're doing. Because at the end of the day, 
there is so much room for change and there's so much redevelopment that's going to take place out coming out of COVID. The only good thing that's going to come out of COVID is innovation. And there's going to, it's going to drive innovation forward that much faster. And the entrepreneurial spirit of America, which is where we were founded and why we were founded, is, is going to be immense. And I think we're going to see a strong recovery because of that. And it's because people stand up and say, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to make change. I'm going to drive the economy forward and do it in a sustainable way. I mean, make sure you have customer bases. Make sure you can move the products that you create. And, and don't take no for an answer. Just keep driving forward. You'll get them. Just keep, you got to keep asking. You're not, you're not going to get them right away. You got to ask 20, 100, 1,000 people. But just keep doing it. Yep. All right. Thank you, Mark and Kirk. As I close my show, onwards and upwards. Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about compassionate capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the Business Power Tools, which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also, Lindio as a entrepreneur's resource portal providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of Cougarand Capital Holdings. It's a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit karenrands.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network and our sponsors and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.